God bless and welcome to this week's episode of Family Discussion. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Jesus teaches us in the Gospel of John that the world will know that we are his followers by the way that we love one another. And yet it seems like the love of Jesus is less and less evident in the way that we speak to and about one another, especially when we disagree. So, in the hopes of recapturing the brother-sister love that Jesus has won for us, we are calling a family meeting. For the next half hour, let's cut through the noise and look at the issues without slander and malice. It's time for a family discussion. Well, God bless and welcome to the first episode of season two of Family Discussion. My name is Marcus Ortega, and as always, I am joined by the astounding Lisa Spencer. Lisa, how are you today? I'm doing well. Happy New Year to you and Happy New Year to our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. 2020, um, the beginning of, well, it's debated. So let me put it out there. Are we in the beginning of a new decade? You know, I I think it's so wild that this has now (laughs) been a debate. Like, who cares? Like, it's 10 years from whatever, however you want to count the decade, whether it's 2020 or 2021, because I hear that the... You know, the fact that zero is not actual, you know, actual number. You have to start at one. Who cares? You know, <laughs> it's a different. You go from 19 to 20. Let that be a new decade. We don't have to be that technical. <laughs> you know, and this is why this is why um, Lisa gets to go and speak to people because she starts preaching and people need to start listening. It is a new decade, whether people want to believe us or not. So welcome to a new decade. We are glad to be doing this again. Season two is going to be an exciting season. Um, We're going to get into a lot of uh, difficult topics, but important ones. Um, For anybody who is just listening for the first time, I want to explain a little bit um, where we've been because that's going to be helpful for folks, maybe to even go back and listen to a few of those episodes. So we spent the entire first season just laying foundation. Um, A lot of the presuppositions that we are bringing into these conversations in season two, we tease those out in season one. Um, And so it's going to be helpful if you are listening and you're surprised by something you hear and you're saying they don't seem to be supporting that, That might be because we are building on something we talked about in the first season. So folks are going to want to go back and listen. Um, But Lisa, real quick, if there's new folks, um, do a very quick, who are you and where are you coming from? Okay. So I am um, Presbyterian and Reformed. I'm in the PCA. Um, And regarding this season's focus, I should also add, um, you, you know, yes, I've been a nonprofit professional for uh, uh, well over 20 years, probably 25 years, uh, doing something a little different now. I've, I've worked uh, primarily in the social service realm, and now I'm in arts and culture, um, celebrating ethnic diversity, which is fun because I get to put on um, put on events that highlight that. Um, but um, one thing that we bought out a little bit, I think, in our Meet the uh, Host episode that we did at the at you know the podcast launch is where we are politically and that's going to um weigh in 
to our focus this season. Um, I, you know, long time ago, I was a registered Democrat, uh, Democrat. Hello. I was, see, I can't even say the word. I was a registered <laughs> Democrat as a young person. And over time, uh, you know, moved into, you know, for many years I was, uh, and still am, uh, independent. Although I would say in the past decade or so, my politics has definitely leaned right. And so I can say unapologetically, that I do hold to conservative politics. That's not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean um, in step with the GOP, because I find it particularly under this administration, those two are not necessarily the same thing. Sure. Um, and so I think that that's important for our listeners to understand where you know, where both of us are coming from, because I think this is an area when we talk about politics, this is an area where you and I have some differences, you know? So when I say conservative, I don't mean, you know, a Trump fangirl. What I mean is that I look at what is the, you know, in the best interest of, you know, governing a region, governing a country, um, that will contribute to enhance the uh, the flourishing for its citizens. And so that's where I think that we really need to be careful, particularly where we are as a society and how divided we are, especially under this administration. Um, and because of, you know, social media, just doing what social media does, it's so easy to draw caricatures of people based on even a snippet of where they stand politically. And we really need to understand where people are coming from. You know, find find that out. Don't just draw this whole picture based on the fact that they support this one policy. You know, I take a, a little bit more center approach when it comes to issues of, you know, immigration and, and particularly with refugees and what's going on with, you know, refugees now, I think is, I, I'm, it's, it's just mine. It's, I have no words. Um, but at the same time, if someone heard me say that, oh, you're a leftist. Well, actually, no, I'm not. It's just in this particular area, I think that there are some very poor decisions being made. But my politics as a whole is fairly conservative. That's helpful because we are going to be getting into a lot of the, the stickier political conversation this season. And um, it's going to be important that people know where we're coming from. I myself, I am also Presbyterian. I'm also Reformed. I'm in the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. Um, and we are very close cousins, the EPC and the PCA. Um, when it comes to political issues, I am still currently registered as a Democrat. Um, although I'm pretty sure I am the worst Democrat in the world, um, at least according to the Democratic po uh, Party. I don't think they're all that thrilled by the fact that I would call myself a Democrat because um, I do hold to a, uh, a biblical understanding of human sexuality, which um, is out of step with the Democratic Party right now. Um, and I'm also what folks would call pro-life, um, meaning I am against abortion at any time. 
um, which is certainly out of step with the Democratic Party, especially if you watch the Democratic primaries and see the way that Democrats seem to be sprinting as far left as possible on the issue of abortion. And so on these issues, I am thoroughly out of line with the party. But my overall politic does lean towards the left that it would be considered progressive or liberal or whatever label people want to put on that. I'm not sure those labels are super helpful. Um, but it's going to be helpful for folks to know kind of where I'm coming from, the perspective I'm coming from as we talk through some of these issues. And it's going to create some interesting questions and some wrestling. You know, how can I vote for democratic politicians who are pro-choice? You know, these are questions that I have to answer that we're going to get to eventually when we get into some of these issues. But you're right. The divide is pretty incredible. And it's incredible because there is a whole group of Christians who cannot fathom how a fellow Christian could possibly be a conservative. And there's an opposite group of Christians who cannot fathom how a Christian could possibly be progressive. And that inability to hear the other side, to Mm -hmm. listen charitably, to consider that maybe their vote is not a uh, a memorandum on their faith, Mm -hmm. Um, that is creating a divide or has created a divide that is getting worse, um, that is really threatening to rip apart American Christianity. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's deeply concerning, and that's part of why this podcast even exists. For those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, Family Discussion is designed to bring people to, you know, basically to to bring them in off of the crazy social media streets, bring them back in the house, sit them down and say, let's talk this out as family. Brothers and sisters in Christ who disagree, how do we disagree well? How do we love one another um, and, and embrace the disagreement? This isn't a love one another in spite of. This is say, no, I love you, and though we disagree, I love you. Um, And there is no real conversation like this happening, at least not publicly, because people seem to not be willing to have a conversation. They're just willing to score points in social media, score points in articles and blogs. And so um, this isn't about point scoring. This isn't about flamethrowing. If that's why you're tuning in, because you want to hear two people really go at it and fight, you're going to be really disappointed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you would have in no mood to do that. Um, but it's important for people to know where we're at, especially because things out in the world have gotten really insane. Since we've last recorded, the president has been impeached in the House. Um, there is, as of this recording, still no trial happening in the Senate. Um, the president has um, made it very clear that he sees he has done nothing wrong. The, um, at least the Democrats in the House, if we're being fair, have made it very clear that the president has done something wrong. Um, the, the Now Christians are taking up arms, and there have been articles written, and there have been responses to articles, and it has gotten... Pretty insane. So, right. Lisa, walk us through we, what has been going on, because it's so, it's ugly. So we should talk about the article. The article. The article. Capital T, capital that, H, capital E. Capital T, capital H, capital E, published by Christianity Today on December 19th. Now, keep in mind, this is about a week before Christmas. 
And we are in the Advent season. Happy birthday, Jesus. Happy birthday, Jesus. <laughs> and Christianity, Christianity today in the middle of Advent season, and given the fabric of where we are, given the, the, the impeachment, and you have this kind of clear faction of, you know, there are folks who are um, very much opposed to Donald J. Trump. I mean, have been from the beginning. You have Christians who are supporters. And I'm, you know, it, and at some point, I'm not going to do it now. I'm going to kind of, there's, there are subcategories in that support. I don't believe, and, and based on my observation of people I know, um, there's a difference between the voter and the supporter. You know, mm. there are fans, okay. you know, so in, in within Christianity, I think it's fair to say that there is a fan club. But then there are those who have voted for him who, because of the policies that he is, that are at stake. So, you know, so we're going to talk, you know, more about that as the season progresses. But Christianity Today um, and was, uh, put out this article by Mark Galley, who was the outgoing, uh, he's the managing editor. Editor-in-chief, editor. basically. He's yeah. the editor-in-chief. And basically came out and said, uh, and I think the title says it all, Trump should be removed from office. And basically kind of laid down the gauntlet, you know, and, and sure, you know, he prefaced it with and, and because of specifically because of the impeachment that um, he, you know, he kind of prefaced it with saying, uh, you know, politics is not the end and the purpose of our being, which I have a question about because of what follows follows that statement. Um but he says this, that even though we showed restraint, we've looked at this president, we've, you know, uh, and, you know, and all of his, um, you know, the lack of character, the, um, you know, he's just a bad character. We, you know, we have, um, he has a shady past, shady business dealings from the past. Uh, we have that recording from what was it, 2005, the locker room? The Access room, Hollywood tape. The Access Hollywood yeah. tape from over 10 years ago, I should add. Um, so after this impeachment, here's what Dolly says. The facts in this instance are unambiguous. The President of the United States attempted to use his political power to coerce a foreign leader to harass and discredit one of the President's political opponents. That is not only a violation of the count constitution more importantly it is profoundly immoral and then he goes on to basically say that this is not a matter of partisan loyalty but of loyalty to the creator of the ten commandments so basically what he's saying is that if you don't agree with our assessment pretty much i mean this is how i'm reading it you know we've laid out for these reasons because of um you know, everything that Donald Trump has brought to the table. And now we have this unambiguous evidence that he is um, violating the um, the office, the executive office. Right. And, and and let's remind our listeners what is an impeachable offense, according to the according to the Constitution. 
uh, high, it's uh, tre treason, bribery, high crimes, and misdemeanors. And how that all gets teased out on a legal basis is, you know, I, I mean, it gets complex. We've only had three presidents prior who have, um, you know, who have been impeached. But, but the, the goal here, we don't want to get so much into, we're not going to get into the details of the impeachment process. That, that's not really what we want to talk about. What was clear to me after this article was published, whatever divide that we saw in the body of Christ over this administration became very clear, became very evident. Um, with this, um, you know, with this article. So my, and I know that you and I will talk about your reaction. My reaction, you know, I was one of those never Trump conservatives. I would have gladly voted for any of those other 17 people on the stage. You know, some of them, I would have been hard, but I would have gladly voted for any, you know, and I was singing the same song even in, into the first year of his administration. But at the same time, I'm looking like, you know what, I'm going to give, I'm still going to give the man a chance. Right? Because our highest, our highest loyalty is not to, we are, we are citizens of this earth and we have to have responsible citizenship, but our, our ultimate loyalty is our citizenship in heaven. And so I don't want that. I don't want what's going on here politically to override that citizenship because that's what matters most. So I, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm going to give the man a chance. And here is my, um, here are my, here are, here are my brief thoughts after reading the, in the Christianity Today. At first I found myself kind of nodding, but then I thought, well, wait a minute. First of all, he's saying the evidence is unambiguous. I think, you know, once you hash out the, you know, the partisan uh, loyalty versus the, the opposition, I don't think it's unambiguous. Um, and I think that you can find legal, I'm pretty sure you can find legal scholars because I've read them. You can find legal scholars that say, well, wait a minute. I, you know, it, it's, not, it's not very clear that his investigation into, um, you know, into this Ukrainian company was necessarily for his political advantage. And here's what I think happens. Going into the 2016, uh, going into his administration, right? This started in the election cycle. People have already made up their minds about him. And it's not hard to see. You know how you, you kind of like, you know that friend that, you know, like, that's my boy. And when they start acting up, you kind of want to give them a pass. And, you know, like, oh, no, they didn't really mean it that way. They say something off. Well, they didn't really mean it. So you have people who are in, you know, in his favor, whether it's their fanboys or, you know, they're just supporting him because of the policies that he's upholding. That it's like, you know, give them a pass. On the other hand, you know, there's that kid. You know, in school, I was always acting up. And as soon as something happens, you're like, yeah, we know he did it. We know he did it because that's who he is. <laughs> and I think a lot of that is going on. Their opinions being formed based on the, the evidence that has been presented based on where you already stood with the guy. 
just trying to find some analysis, some objective analysis on the impeachment alone, just from a legal perspective, is hard. You know, because that, even that, how you're viewing the same set of facts is very different. So I think what this article, and, and that was the pro, one of the problems that I had with this Christianity Today article, is that it's saying, if you, you know, if you don't agree with us, then you're, you're really not standing on the side of Jesus. That's some, that's some kind of conscience minding, in my opinion. Um, and the wisdom of, of publishing it, well, one, during Advent season, which to me was like, why would you even do that? Um, but, I mean, just feeling the need to lay this, this gauntlet down and for some, some shaky when you have, you know, evidence that's not really clear cut. Yeah, I mean, it was an article that, I mean... The shockwaves of this article were pretty intense. You had immediate responses. I mean, there were the, you know, what we call the court evangelicals, right, who mm -hmm. responded. Um, and we kind of knew all that was coming. And then, you know, we had um, our brother Wayne Grudem spoke out and criticized the article. And then um, one of our other brothers wrote an article criticizing Grudem's article. And then there's another mm -hmm. article talking about, you know, um, is this uh, a form of evangelical elitism? And then the responses to that saying, actually, you're really the evangelical elite. And it just got the mudslinging was incredible. We are getting um, and this is not a compliment. Y'all don't take this as a compliment, but we are getting really good at slinging mud at one another in the mm. kingdom. Um, yeah. It is uh, it is becoming an art form. And so, yeah, my response to this article, I mean, this this is it, it it betrays where we're coming from politically. Right. I read that article and I am thankful that someone is finally in a in a kind of paper of record. Right. Christianity Today is basically the paper of record for Christians um, is coming out and saying this is um, it is time to remove this president. Because there are a lot of us who've been thinking along these lines for a while um, and who, who have real issue with not just the character, but the way his character has influenced policies and have been really influencing and hurting people. And so we've been speaking about this for a while. But what was, what was interesting, there's a, there's a couple things here, right? So I think, you know, you brought up, for example, the timing of the article. Uh, during Advent. Yeah, it's... I agree that it's not a good look. I guess the thing is, the impeachment happened during Advent. And so if you're going to write an article addressing the impeachment, it's going to happen right after the impeachment. I don't know that they're going to wait three weeks to do that, right? Um, I, I really wish... The one thing I wish that um, our brother Mark Galley hadn't done is lay down the gauntlet and say this is a matter of Christian faithfulness. Um, because there are those of us that that resonates with, but we have to be careful that just because we feel the burden in our conscience to, um, to oppose the policies and positions of this president, mm -hmm. 
doesn't mean that we can, like you said, infringe on the conscience of others and demand that they live according to our consciences. This is where Christian freedom really has to play in here. We cannot bind the conscience of a brother or a sister. This is and and this is my Presbyterianness, I think, coming out as well. This is really at the core of being a Presbyterian. This is why we're careful about different forms of worship, is we don't want to um, impose our secondary convictions onto the conscience of someone else's secondary convictions. And and that's what this article can do. Because I tell you what, we get our backup when it's on the other side, right? When some prosperity loony on the far right says that if you don't support the president, you're not saved, we get up in arms. And we, and we write our articles and we light our torches and we grab our pitchforks. Um, when somebody that we agree with who... <laughs> is a more thoughtful person than some of the loonies out there on the right and the left. When a thoughtful person like Mark Galley says something, we get excited about it. We have to be careful that we don't get excited about the wrong thing. Um, The division was already there. Um, What this did was simply um, create a rallying point, if you will, for people who have been looking for a voice in, in the midst of a lot of voices who are doing what you're saying, excusing a lot of the president's behavior, um, there, this became a rallying point for people saying, will anybody in the evangelical world speak out against what is happening? And so I think that's why there was so much support, because there has been so much silence in the evangelical world um, when it comes to publicly condemning some of the positions and actions and character flaws of this president. Um, it didn't help matters. It certainly didn't help matters. I don't know that it was designed to help matters. I think it was designed to simply say, here, we believe he has crossed a line. You're right. I think we should leave the particulars of the impeachment to legal professionals. I, I don't know. I mean, you, you think about treason, bribery, high crimes, and misdemeanors. Um, you can drive a truck through that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was... Um, it's pretty incredible the amount of things that we could label a misdemeanor. Um, was this bribery? That's a legal question, not an opinion that I am in any way equipped to be able to give. Um, but I think one of the things that's happened is um, in all of the back and forth and all of the chaos, we are continuing to label one another's quality of faith based on where they stand politically. And this is just the latest issue. Mm-hmm. And, and so for me, I'm, President Trump is a lightning rod. He just is. And if you start talking too much about President Trump, you can't get anywhere because people won't listen. They already have their decision made. They're going to support or they're going to condemn no matter what. Mm-hmm. right? And, and this is where it becomes difficult for the Christian because... He has done things that Christians can support. Um, and this is, I think, an important thing to draw out. So there wasn't just, on, in Christianity Today, it wasn't just um, Mark Galley's article, but the president and CEO also wrote an article following up what Mark Galley wrote. And here's one of the things he says. This is a very helpful, um, there's a, a helpful or, um, paragraph in here that I want to draw out. 
He says, let me protect against two misunderstandings. The problem is not that we as evangelicals are associated with the Trump administration's judicial appointments or its advocacy of life, family, and religious liberty. We are happy to celebrate the positive things the administration has accomplished. Let me pause there for a second. There is a charge against those of us who are critical of the president that we are ignoring some of the positive things he has done. That is not the case. We are applauding some of the positive things that have happened. The, the problem is that in our perspective, the negatives have outweighed the positives, but that doesn't mean we're ignoring that there's positives. Um, the problem, he continues, is that we as evangelicals are also associated with President Trump's rampant immorality, greed, and corruption, his divisiveness and race baiting, his cruelty and hostility to immigrants and refugees, and more. In other words, the problem is the wholeheartedness of the embrace. It is one thing to praise his accomplishments. It is another to excuse and deny his obvious misuses of power. So here's, here's my perspective on this whole thing and, and where I am troubled. It's that word wholeheartedness. The wholehearted embrace or the wholehearted rejection of what is happening in the White House and with this president, I'm not sure is honest for the Christian. I... I I am deeply troubled every time I see the evangelical, the court evangelicals trotted out to defend the president when he does or says something absolutely heinous that no Christian should ever try and support. And yet there they are, because they're the ones with the, with the seminary appointments and the presidencies and the books and the radio shows. They're trotted out to do their thing. Um, I also struggle when there are when the president does something like criminal justice reform. And yes, there's more work that needs to be done there for sure. But a step was taken during the Trump administration um, that we then try and spin this as still a negative. Let's at least say, well, thank God we got here. Right. Wholehearted embrace, wholehearted rejection. Those are, listen, we wholeheartedly embrace Christ. We wholeheartedly reject the things of this world. That's kind of it for us. Everything else has layers of nuance and layers of I can go here, but I can't go there. Um, we can't become comfortable with our partisan position. And, and that's where I've gotten really concerned is it's, it's the wholeheartedness because things are messier than that. Things are more complicated than that. There's more factors coming into play when we think about who we're voting for and what position we're taking. And that's what this whole season is going to be about. How do we start to dive into some of the messiness and actually talk through these issues in a way that we're able to hear one another? Right. And, you know, my concern through all of this, and this, I think this really came out with the two articles from Christianity Today and its aftermath, is that, you know, I look at this, I have the question, how much focus are we giving to Donald J. Trump? We already know, like you said, he's a lightning rod. We already know that. And to me, it, it does seem that we're giving an awful lot of power to one man, whether it be in opposition. So for those who are coming out and even laying down the gauntlet and saying, I don't understand how any Christian can, you know, can, can support, you know, uh, can vote, let alone support this administration. And so therefore we have to be vocal in our opposition against him. And I say the same thing 
to those who are supporting him. You know, as soon as something comes up, you have the defenders. And, you know, given that we, we have this very obvious, clear divide, and, and, and it actually disrupts fellowship. It disrupts relationships. And I have to ask, how much power are we giving to one man over the body of Christ? And I'm thinking Satan must be pretty happy about that. And that's where I think we really need to be careful about how we are, you know, in this current time. You know, under these circumstances, that we don't allow the things of this world to intrude on the things of the kingdom. We have in our congregations, and I use that plural because if this is a church that is, um, if our congregations are trying to obey the Great Commission and if they're trying to reach people with the gospel, then there are people in our churches who have supported the president. There are people in our churches that have um, been speaking out against the president. There are people who held their nose and voted for the president. There are people who held their nose and voted in a different direction. There were wholehearted Hillary Clinton supporters. There were those who voted third party. Our congregations are complex. And speaking to your point here, if we allow politics to divide the body of Christ, we are going to really hurt our congregations or we're going to eventually end up with um, Republican congregations and Democrat com um, mm. congregations. And that would be horrifying because uh, in multiple places throughout the, the Pauline epistles, he argues for unity as one of the central concerns of the Christian faith. Our unity is um, not uh, at all costs... We don't ignore important first-order doctrines to achieve this unity. But if it is not a first-order doctrine, then unity at all costs, when it comes to secondary, third, fourth, all the tertiary things out there. And, and here's where we have to go, because everything in this country is politicized. We have to constantly remind one another, political positions are secondary issues. These are secondary yes. issues. Um, there are a couple that are pretty clear, but by and large, our political persuasion, our political beliefs are secondary issues. They are not worth splitting the body over. And, um, and this, is, this is something we've seen coming. This, these conversations will lead us into conversations about social justice um, because that will play in here as well. Those who are more driven by social justice will end up leaning in a particular political direction. Those who are very skeptical about social justice will end up leaning in a particular political direction. That's just the trends. That's not, you know, that's not all inclusive. There are people who buck that trend, but those are the trends. And I think... These divides in the body around social issues and political issues, the politics is important, the social issues are important, but we have to figure out how we can wrestle with these together in the body and maintain unity. Um, maintaining unity requires, as the New Testament says, bearing with one another, tolerating one another. I mean, he, Paul literally uses the word tolerate at one point. Mm -hmm. um, it means being forgiving one another, being tender-hearted. Um, it means encouraging one another, confessing to one another, forgiving one. All of these things are there. We can't live this out if we run to our own little um, you know, alcoves, our political alcoves, and hide 
from those Christians who disagree with us. Um, and so it's going to be uncomfortable for some folks to hear an evangelical pastor say, yeah, I lean progressive in my politics. That's going to make some folks uncomfortable, and I want to push back preemptively and say, why does that make you uncomfortable? Am I, as a pastor, leading in the truth of the gospel? Am I faithful to the scriptures? Am I loving the flock well? Am I protecting the flock from false doctrine? Am I doing the things I'm called to do as an elder in the EPC? Well, then how I might vote on a particular issue, that doesn't actually measure up to my view of the atonement and stuff like that, right? Um, And in the same way, people are going to hear someone say, yeah, I live most of my life in the public sector serving the poor, and I lean conservative. That's a category confusion for a lot of people. They're saying, you can't do that. You can't can't care for the poor like that and also lean conservative in your politics. It's going to freak folks out. Right. And and this is where, you know, again, going back to the point that I made when we started recording, was, you know, we need, really need to be careful about how we characterize one another based on very limited information. So the fact that, you know, if you say, I, you know, I mean progressive, automatically what comes to mind just because of where we are and in almost dehumanizing one another and treating each other according to our, you know, ideological framework, oh, that means you murder babies. You know, that you apply murdering oh, babies, man. you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, and affirm transgenderism, which, you know, which is not true. It's 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 a charge that I've lived with for a long time. Um, I'm used to hearing it, but I'll be honest, I'm used to hearing it and it, it sucks to hear mm-hmm. because it is dehumanizing. That's a good word. You are no longer viewing somebody as a human being who has thought these things through and has a position that may be different than yours. But the label is, by definition, not a human being. You label somebody so that you can put them in a box and shove the box over there. And, you know, there's a, there's a statement. One of my favorite shows ever is The West Wing. Mine um, too. All right. Or see, you <laughs> can find agreement. In the very first monologue, Leo McGarry is walking around, and he says, um, you take everybody on the Christian right, you put them in a box, and you label it stupid. Now, it's a funny line, but if it gets to be reality, you have transgressed Scripture so much. <laughs> right. to take everybody, put them in a box, and label them stupid. People do that to the Christian right. People also do that to the Christian left. Mm -hmm. People do that to progressives and conservatives. Um, The heart behind this podcast is that we not do that, but that we actually try and hear one another and talk to one another. And it's going to take us into some difficult conversations. And my, my request of the listener, listen charitably, consider what we have to say. You don't have to agree. I'm not asking anybody to agree with me on these issues. Would you please hear, listen, and um, and not assume that I am throwing the Bible out because of my politic, and I will do my best to do that for the folks that I disagree with. Right. And so, uh, so where are we going from here? It seems to me like here's here's something I've noticed. I mean, you talked about throwing the Bible out. Is that we uh, we have this? What I've seen is if you don't agree with my particular political paradigm. You're not being biblical. 
Um, and I think that we really need to unpack that. You know, what are the biblical values in Scripture? And how does that work out politically? Because I think if we're honest, we'll see that there are values that you will find embraced by the right and there are values that that are embraced by the left. How do we work that out politically? You're right. We are complex individuals and we want to be thoughtful about, you know, what does it mean living out my applying my Christian faith in the political sphere? Yeah, and and that's what's going to be interesting is you will find in this in these conversations when we spend a couple episodes talking about these biblical foundations, um, that each one of us is going to attempt to be thoroughly biblical in what we're doing, um, and, and we're we're going to try and demonstrate that to folks because we want to show that you cannot just assume that because of a different political position they're not taking the Bible seriously, but also they're going to see that maybe we are emphasizing different parts of Scripture. And that's going to be an interesting conversation because it's going to require us to say, are we ignoring something in our politics? Mm. Are we being inconsistent with the way we approach Scripture? Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I think that's why we need these conversations, because you'll be able to see your inconsist- my inconsistencies better than you're able to see yours and vice versa. And right. so we need to be able to speak to one another, to sharpen one another, so that we become more consistent in our love for the Scriptures and our love for Christ. Um, now, quickly... Just without getting into the details, just kind of naming them, what are some of the issues that the um, that conservative-leaning Christians really hold dear and why they may even be willing to vote for the president? Yeah, I think the primary one that I see is religious liberty, and particularly where we are as a society with the LGBTQ plus platform and how much that has grown and how much that has that agenda is being posed upon you know public institutions um, and even private institutions and so when you hear conservatives kind of you know uphold this thing about religious liberty it's not well we need to you know we need to say state we need to stay safe and have our Christianity protected. It's we we believe in um, in operating according to our conscience, and so we need to have the the freedom. And this is one one reason, one of the main reasons that I lean conservative is because a person who is holding to conservative principles does not want the strong arm of the government to impinge on you know on their right to flourish. And so you'll find people like me will say, yeah, we're okay. There's a reasonable, a reasonable amount of regulation that is required. Although some are, you know, the more libertarians will say, no, we, you know, we don't want that. And taxation is theft, (laughs) Um, (laughs) which is crazy to me. But, you know, you know, we we want government to really focus, you know, locally, regionally and not have this big, massive big brother that dictates what how we can live our lives so when you hear christians you know really wanting to you know uphold religious liberty which by the way was a founding principle of our constitution i mean the you know the the folks that left england 
established America, they were running away from that. They were running away. Like, we don't want a monarchy. So, so this is one, and of course, the, you know, the right to life, you know, um, and, and again, it's, you know, this idea of having, you know, I say religious liberty, but it's really under the banner of freedom. It's, you know, we want to be able to live, to live our lives. So these are the things that I think when people, even the one, you know, so even the ones that are holding their noses that voted for, uh, for Donald Trump and they're looking what he's doing, it's like, uh, okay, you know, we're not, I don't really like what I'm getting, but at least he's upholding these, you know, these particular um, policies and, and not, and kind of stemming the tide of the leftist LGBTQ driven agenda to just, you really have its way full force on our life. So we're going to get into all of these issues. We're going to get into religious liberty. We're going to get into the questions of life. Um, because what's interesting is both of us agree on the issue of abortion. And yet um, there are questions that I think each of us are have about how we approach these issues. Um, I think that it's also really important that we talk through vulnerable populations. Because that's something that's important to those of us who lean in a social justice left direction in a progressive direction um, we really take care to talk about vulnerable populations we're concerned deeply by things like white supremacy um, and that's going to come out that gets us into some social justice conversation but it's also important that we have that conversation what is you know what is white supremacy and why is that important in these kinds of political conversations um, we're going to need to also have a couple maybe more foundational conversations what is the role of government because this gets us into a classical conversation about what it means to be a conservative or a progressive. Um, that, those terms actually have to do with how you read the Constitution and how you understand the government. And so we'll need to get into that a little bit, maybe have a couple of interviews with folks to help us, because we are, again, not experts in this. I'm a pastor. Um, you, are, uh, you are not a lawyer, but you, are, you have worked in the public sector um, we both have just been serving the kingdom for our lives, and we're wading into some issues where we might need a little bit of help and need to have some conversations with folks. So we're going to get into all of these things, but again, we ask, would people listen charitably? Would you not just look for brownie points to score, or, or you know, would you not be looking for, hey, um, Lisa is this, or Marcos is this? It's not going to work that way. Um we're going to have to have some of these conversations in a way that allows us to really consider them, um, consider them embodied. We're people. We are people. And, and that has to come first. We are people who love Jesus, who are trying to serve Jesus with the way we approach politics. And um, we end up on different sides of a lot of issues. And that's where the fun conversation can happen. So that's where we're going. Lisa, any last words for our listeners before we uh, sign off for the day? No, I, I would say, um, you know, it was interesting just in kind of gearing up, preparing for this episode and, you know, absorbing myself in, you know, some political stuff, um, which, you know, we should, again, responsible citizenship, we should be aware of what's going on. But I had this need, I was like, man, I need to go read my Bible <laughs> after mm. this. Yes. And but it occurred to me in that process how much we can allow the 
you know, all of these issues related to politics, you know, all of our, our socio-political paradigms and what's, you know, intentions and things that are going on to really intrude on our Christianity and to, we can get so absorbed in it that we really forget who we, we really do forget. This was a line that Golly said in his, you know, in his article, remember who you are. We really do need to remember who we are. And we're not political animals, you know, not that right. we should not, there are Christians and, and rightly so that should be engaged in the political process, um, you know, as a vocation. But at the same time, we are citizens of another kingdom. And we can't allow what's going on to intrude on our souls so much that we forget that. Amen. That's a good word. Thank you, Lisa. Well, we will leave it there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Family Discussion. We look forward to getting into all of these issues, and we look forward to you coming along the ride with us. You can always reach out to us. Family Discussion is on Twitter. Um, we're, we're willing to hear back from you. If you have comments, if you have thoughts, if you want to join the conversation, why not? Twitter is a great place to do that because everybody's joining the conversation on Twitter. <laughs> so come talk to us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. As of now, that is it from the Family Discussion Podcast. Joy to be with you and we will see you next time. Bye. Well, thank you again for joining us for this week's Family Discussion. If you'd like to learn more or catch up on episodes you missed, head on over to our home at reformedmargins.com. There you'll find great content about a whole host of issues that we pray will bless your relationship with Jesus, including articles written by Lisa Spencer and me, Marcos Ortega. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Your hosts are Marcos Ortega and Lisa Spencer. Our producer is Larry Lynn. Family Discussion is hosted by Podbean and recorded with Audacity. If you like what you heard today, it would be a great help to us if you gave a quick review and rating on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite content so that you don't miss our next Family Discussion. Thank you.